Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just... Watched... Oh, Craig. I'm sorry. No. Oh. And we... And we just... <laughs> you ready? Yes. And, and we, we just watched... The, the gate. gate. There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. Wow. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. I mean, you guys were serious about that demon stuff? Pray it's not too late. The gate starts Friday at a selected theater near you. Check your local listings. It's true, uh, The Gate from 1987. Jeff, what made you choose The Gate? I saw this movie as a kid and then thought it'd be fun to rewatch it. Well, that's interesting because I, I didn't know for sure if you'd seen it or not. I, I had never seen it before. Kia actually introduced me to it two or three years ago. I, I never watched it before that. Um, so you guys have like actual childhood experience with it, whereas I saw it as a full-fledged adult. So... Mm kind of different takes probably on it all things considered kia how old were you when you saw the gate i don't know it was probably early 90s i feel like it used to come on tv all the time not even cable i think it came on like i don't know what the channel was called but like 24 or whatever that was back then like your local affiliate yeah like a local station i feel like it they would play it quite a bit so i stumbled upon it because i don't remember seeing a trailer for it i mean i would have just been five so I don't remember being familiar with it that young of an age. So I would probably say, you know, maybe like 10. Yeah. So, yeah. Jeff, how about you? You said you saw it when you were a kid. Uh, yeah, I guess I would have seen it whatever year it came out, uh, like 1987. So it would have been probably like seven or eight. My dad showed it to me because I think he, he thought the little uh, demon guys, I think he thought I would like those. Because like any time there was like a movie with a little creature in it, he was always like, oh, hey, come look at this. Uh, but then, yeah, there's a, I was watching it this time and just going, man, like, I don't know if I would have, if I would show this to a little kid. <laughs> like, this seems kind of, there are parts of it that seem like they'd, like, terrify a little kid, like, particularly the zombie, but. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. It's almost like, well, Kia, why don't you, why don't you give us the synopsis so we, get, we can get sure. it out of the way. We're, we're going to read it straight from the uh, DVD box here. This is a DVD, um, the Monstrous Special Edition. And on the back, this is the description. After an old tree is removed from the ground, three young children accidentally release a horde of nasty, pint-sized demons from the hole in a suburban backyard. What follows is a classic battle between good and evil as the three kids struggle to overcome a nightmarish hell that is literally taking over the earth. A couple inaccuracies there, I feel like. Um, because they're not young children exactly, but I feel like there's an older sister who's like 15-ish, and then the two boys, I would say, are maybe 12-ish around in there. So, And all three of them don't release it. It's just the two boys. Yeah. And I, I didn't catch that it was literally taking over the world either, but I guess the stakes are pretty high towards the end. But Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, when a gate to hell is open, that is usually the intention. Good point. Yeah, I, I guess a gate to hell opens. It's not just going to be uh, a block. We want to take suburb. over the southwest. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird, like how high the stakes are, and yet you know the it's defeated so easily in the end. Like I won't say what yet, but yeah, just seem like a 
Oh, that's all they had to do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what were the things in it, Jeff, that made you feel like it wasn't maybe something to show a kid watching it again? Uh, just had a really dark tone. Some of the some of the creatures and stuff in it were pretty terrifying. Like, I remember as a kid really hating that scene with the zombie in the basement. Mm. And then, um, like, the big demon creature in the end. It's pretty scary for a little kid. But, like, uh, there's a special feature on the DVD... I only watched a few minutes of it. It's talking about the special effects and stuff. And one of the guys on there said, uh, I like making horror movies for kids. And I was like, wow, so they meant to make this for kids. It just sort of seemed. Yeah. Maybe, we, maybe uh, my, my standards are, are different now than, <laughs> you know, than the 80s. But we uh, we watched that, too, actually. And uh, I thought I thought that when this. Oh, gosh. One of the special effects guys that uh, was was talking on it said something like what you were saying, Jeff, about how when you're 10 years old, there's a romanticism that you bring to a horror movie and how many of the horror movies he saw that he loves were before age 10, basically. And, and I do catch a little bit of that, right? I mean, the fact that uh, the protagonist looks so young, you know, would make it kind of heightened for a kid watching it, I would think. Yeah. That, you know, you'd kind of put yourself in that position and so much of the horror takes place just in a regular house in a regular suburb versus... You know, like something like uh, Jason Voorhees, where you have to go to a camp for it to happen, or Michael Myers, where it has to happen on a special day. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Like this, this thing kind of seeks you out a little bit, so it's a little, maybe a little scarier to a kid. Um, so, Jeff, when you saw it as a kid, did you not like it? No, I did like it actually. Oh. I, I uh, it's not one I watched a lot, but I watched you know a couple times, two or three mm-hmm. times. Like it was also one of those movies, but. If it was on TV or something, my dad would be like, "Oh, hey, look, the show's on." And we'd, we'd watch a few minutes of it. You know, I, I was, you know, watching it uh, last night. I started thinking about sort of the story and uh, maybe the meaning of it a little bit. And you know, we have a uh, young uh, dwarf uh, as the main character, mm-hmm. and he, he looks really young here. You know what I mean? And, and childlike. Obviously, he is a child, but. Um, Steven Dorf. Steven Dorf. <laughs> and so much of it is him, you know, his parents leave for the weekend and uh, his sister is babysitting him, you know, and he's a very fearful child. It opens up with a nightmare and uh, him being, you know, very scared and disturbed by the nightmare. And uh, as soon as, thing, as things start to go wrong or there's hints of something going on, uh, he immediately wants to call his parents. Like, he, he pleads with his sister to call his parents. Um, when he's trying to deal with it himself, basically his best friend, you know, the, the metalhead kid, Terry, uh, is doing all the work, all the heavy lifting of discovering, you know, what might be going on and reciting all the lyrics to try to close up the gate or whatever. Like, Stephen Dorff's character is very passive. Like, he's just kind of allowing things to happen, and you, you just cut to his face as he's like, oh, oh, you know, just kind of fearful or whatever. And uh, I feel like the whole point of it is he is a scared character. He's a very vulnerable character. And at the end, uh, it whittles down to where he's the only one that can deal with it, and he has to do it totally solo and kind of overcomes his fears or whatever. So I think that's the little mini-message for a uh, kid watching it would be, you know, sometimes you can't call your parents or depend on your sister or a babysitter or whatever. Sometimes you're the one that has to uh, seize the day and take care of your problems yourself. So there you have it. It's funny you say that because 
at the end of the movie, like that last shot where it's panning out, I, I wrote down the their parents definitely should not have left them alone that weekend. <laughs> like, they shouldn't have left the sister in charge because, like, see what happened. Like, yeah, like that whole movie, he's trying to call the parents. It's like he, he, was, he was doing the right thing. He probably should have been talking but, I mean, to his parents. Yeah. His parents, they, they had, like, opened a gate to hell. So his parents, first of all, would have been in the same position everyone else was in. They wouldn't have known what to do either. Yeah, I mean, but they would have taken the children to somewhere safe probably and then... Well, we all saw how easily it was to defeat that thing, so they probably could have put the children to safety. And I don't know if we want to talk spoilers yet, but you know, destroy this thing easily. <laughs> I mean, adult supervision probably would have helped, but that's kind of like um, any movie with children protagonists. Technically, that's the case. I mean, like Monster yeah, Squad. You know, they probably should have called adults in to help <laughs> very early on, or whatever, and. Uh, you know, uh, professionals could definitely take care of these things, but yeah. you know, then you wouldn't have a movie of kids fighting <laughs> monsters. You know, exactly. One of the sisters' friends is like super mean and says some <laughs> pretty crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> the one with all like her hair sticking up. Yeah, she's really uh, upset at Dwarf. <laughs> she, she, she always goes for the jugular as soon as soon as the, he starts talking. Even that's yeah. enough for her to be like, "Shut up, <laughs> maggot!" You know that whole thing. So yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a uh, one scene where they're in the closet and they I forgot what they were doing in the closet, but the, the sister walks in, and sees them in there. And she's like, and uh, she's like, "What are you guys doing?" And that girl goes, "Probably effing off," like you know, <laughs> F-A-G-G. Yeah. I, yeah, so and I was like, whoa. Um, and then I, I wrote some down some other things she said. Might have to bleep this, but she's like, don't get all retarded on us. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and then at one point, the uh, Stephen Dorff calls one of their boyfriends F-A-G, you know? Yeah. And then uh, that girl with the hair sticking up goes, Trace on cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like super uh, 80s, like, what? I don't know. It's something worth noting, you know, because Key and I revisited the Bill and Ted movies this weekend where we watched the two original uh, Bill and Ted movies. And there's so much stuff in the 80s that's gay panic and, like, gay uh, homophobia jokes or whatever. I mean, even Monster yeah. Squad has a couple of moments like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of hard to... It's funny because there's so much stuff nowadays that's made that's nostalgic for the eighties and they definitely whitewash that part of our culture where it may be rightfully so. I mean, in all fairness to the filmmakers that make stuff <laughs> set in the eighties, but, uh, I mean, it's crazy to me how much Bill and Ted has, uh, you know, gay panic jokes and everything. Cause they're such sweet characters. Uh, you know, it yeah. seems like kind of against their nature, but you forget, I mean, that's kind of how it was back then. I mean, so many people yeah. talked that way, and it was so much in our culture. Saturday Night Live, if you watch, you know, from the 70s and 80s, has so many jokes predicated on the idea of someone might be gay or someone doesn't want to seem gay, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah being gay was always like a punchline in the 80s. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, so, I mean, yeah. I guess if you haven't gotten the concept yet, there's a minor trigger warning, I guess, if you're, yeah. you know, very sensitive to hearing people say stuff like this. Uh, the, the main character drops the F-bomb. So yeah. Kevin Smith is guilty as that uh, as well. Like, like he was yeah. making movies in the late 90s, early aughts that has a lot of that stuff. 
but again, I mean, culture changed pretty recently with yeah. that, you know, with people saying those things, uh, mainstream, especially doofus characters. I think, I think sometimes people wrote, you know, characters that were maybe supposed to be a little bit dumb, uh, saying those things almost to kind of illustrate that they are not the brightest people, you know, sophisticated yeah. people. I think mm-hmm. like as a culture, we've kind of, a lot of us anyway, have, uh, a lot of us who aren't gay have come to realize like how hurtful that is, that word is to some people and, you know, people like us, we don't want to perpetuate that. And I think a lot of people have think that way too, including, you know, people in movies and that's why the new Bill and Ted doesn't have that word. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah I, 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 uh, they sidestep uh, that part yeah. and they grew out of it. Maybe. Well, you make the point that in the second movie, it was the, the bad Bill and Ted. Yeah. I did right. notice that in bogus <laughs> journey. It is again, illustrating mm-hmm. that they're villains a little bit that they, um, they said those things. So yeah, yeah you know, but um, yeah, it, it is, it is pretty striking to a modern, uh, I would think a young person, you know, seeing this for the first time, a modern young person would be like, whoa, you know, when the little kid drops, you know, language mm. like that, yeah. um, especially out of nowhere. <laughs> <'Cause it's, laughs> I, to me, it's pretty hilarious just how, uh, Stephen Dorff is like walking away and he's all like, mm, you know, it just kind of says yeah. it and then runs away. But, uh. We, you mentioned gay panic. There was they could have just called this movie Satanic Panic, the movie. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's like you know the kid gets the uh, whatever the spell is to bring these demons out of this pit from a record, and he plays the record backwards, and like, uh, and then uh, they at one point they close the gate by throwing a Bible into it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of those touch tones of uh, Satanic Panic and. I, th- I thought they, uh, you know, the decor of uh, Terry's room, you know, he has all these records and I think most of them were fictional or mm-hmm. dummied up for, you know, for the decor or whatever. But uh, I noticed like all the bands were kind of obfuscated, like they kind of like covered up the faces mm-hmm. and the actual titles of the, you know, the band names and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. I think I may have noticed Slayer in there, but otherwise I, I had trouble identifying anything um looking at it last night so but yeah it is that's another thing that if you didn't live through the 80s it's hard to understand how much people especially where we live jeff like people really believe that stuff i mean they truly believed that you could summon forth demons with records and uh you know be mind controlled by the lyrics of uh, certain bands and and dungeon and dragons could also summon forth (laughs) actual spells and demons it was just People yeah, really believed there's it. A, there's a lot of uh, ignorance and jumping to conclusions with that stuff. It's <laughs> like if those parents groups who were so against Dungeons and Dragons just knew how dorky it was, they would have <laughs> yeah laughed it <laughs> like, off and not, yeah like yeah. dorky in, in a good way, yeah. like meaning you know harmless, it's, it's just yeah. yeah, just harmless fun. So <laughs> just a game. <laughs> but they were always, you know, trying to point out like, oh, this guy thought it was a game, and then like he killed himself because you know, it was part of the game, or like they did some kind of sacrifice, like they they work in some kind of like mm. satanic angle to it, or some way to like make it sound more evil than it is. Ten million people will play those games, and like three right. will be influenced. And it's like maybe it's you, maybe you're just yeah. A psycho. Yeah, I mean, you could probably make the same case for, like, badminton. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's probably someone that went off the deep end after playing, you know, some racquetball or something. And <laughs> But anyway, I, I took us off a, a long detour there. Uh, 
I, I do I think uh, a highlight of this are the min are the minions, the small demons uh, mm -hmm. are really cool looking and they move in a really cool way. I thought, and and I think that's kind of the the big hook uh, for modern mm -hmm. audiences is how unique they look and everything. Well, when we looked at that um, special effects bonus feature, they're talking about how they were the minions were like people in suits or something. Yeah. So they said they were just kids, not like little kids, but young adults. So weren't they weren't actors or stunt people. They were just random young people that they brought in to play those suits and how they filmed it in a forced perspective, which I didn't really understand. But I think Craig tried to explain it to me, so I kind of get it. So do you, do you have a good way to describe that, Jeff? Forced perspective? You're, um, you're kind of up on these things. Because I know that's kind of yeah. how they used, like, Lord of the Rings, right? To look, yeah. um, make smaller characters look, you know, proportionally shorter to the human-sized yeah. people. Yeah, there's, like, a... It's just a way of, like, if you film something up close to the camera, it'll look bigger. And then there's... It's hard to, like, really explain without just showing it, but, like, right. something in the background, uh, there's ways of making it look like they're kind of on the same level. So whatever's in the background is going to be smaller, but, you know, you can still make it look like they're interacting with each other, even though what's in the foreground is, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it's fr it's fr it's closer to the camera, but it looks like they're on the same plane. I think that's what I was trying to say. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, like, it's a pretty simple camera trick. It's pretty effective. Yeah. I mean, it, they, they look great. I mean, so much so that uh, the first time I watched it, I was questioning if they were stop animation or puppets, uh, you know, which I think they use a little bit of those things in certain mm -hmm. moments. But by and large, they're just people in suits. It's like classic, you know, man in suit style stuff. So, yeah. um, and, and they're great. I mean, the, I think they kind of fall in like the pantheon of, you know, the little creatures with like gremlins and ghoulies and stuff like that. I think they, they have a little place there because yeah. uh, they're really fun. I love how they say hey, too. Apparently, that's the only word they know is they go, hey, hey. Like, you know, it's, it's so much so that when Terry falls into the hole and he's attacked by the minions, they're, they're going, hey, hey, like, like walking up to him enough to where he, he, he waves back. He's like, uh, hello. Like he tries for a moment to communicate with them. I thought it was a really great moment before they just start biting him and attacking him. Um, um, hi. <laughs> yeah. They, I, I like the little beats like that, like where the characters almost acknowledge how strange the situation is and uh, the little beats of comedy. Uh, yeah. And I, I like how this plays it straight for the most part. Like the, there's no winking at the camera or, you know, hey, like a elbow nudge, like this is for kids. That type. They play it straight and go for yeah. it. And uh, I thought I think it's pretty effective sometimes. So. I it's like, like how they can com combine and then fall apart. Like they combine oh, like yeah. the zombie guy. Kind of reminded me, like we, you know, Bill and Ted three just came out this weekend. So like, uh, it reminds me of Station from Bill and Ted two. So I've got Bill and Ted on my mind. Sure, yeah. But, <laughs> this came before. This is maybe maybe this was a uh, inspiration for <laughs> Station. Mm, could be. I do remember when we were watching, because we've seen, Craig and I have talked about this in like other movies, like when we see modern movies that take place in the 80s, they tend to, like a character's bedroom, I guess, it, they tend to be overly 80s, like yeah. the, the kids have the best of everything, they have like the top of everything. Craig can probably explain it better. Oh, like the decor. Like, yeah. 
like a character from like 1986 will have a poster of the thing up in his up in his house or his his bedroom and you're just thinking like how many people had a poster of the thing in the 80s yeah. like that definitely happened later when that became like a cult favorite and now it's a very mainstream movie but in the 80s that was a somewhat obscure movie for someone to be a fan of and have a poster of it that's like brand spanking new up in there mm-hmm. uh, you know so i think a lot of times they take the cream of the crop when they when they do an 80s movie now it's like the choice cuts and the the characters like the coolest stuff and mm-hmm. the most like nerd deep cuts and everything when in reality you look at Dorf's room in this movie from 87 and that's how kids really had their rooms i mean it was a yeah. mishmash of, of whatever the kid liked of, of that era in probably that very year. Like, it's not like they would have the mm-hmm. stockpile of all the stuff, you know, from 10 years yeah. earlier. It's like um, the people that do the movies now just Google what were the top songs and toys in the eighties. And then they just base their set design or the music that they play on that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What, did you see Bumblebee, Jeff? Did you ever get around to that movie? No. It, it was actually really good. Like it was surprisingly good, and it's the Transformers movie. Yeah, it's it's not in the line of. It's Michael like Bay how movies. Solo is to me the better of the. It's like its own independent movie. Yeah, and it's like okay. actually good, and no one gave a shit about it. Like I guess no one cared about Bumblebee either. Right. But it's actually really good. Yeah, like it's it's really you know it's just like a fun action movie, and like the Transformers actually look like Transformers, and uh, you know it's really cool. But like. The decor in that movie, because it takes place in the 80s, is hardcore. Like, I want these characters to be the coolest possible characters in the 80s. And all the music they listen to is very cool for that era. That was my biggest complaint, the music. Because the main character in Bumblebee is kind of, not goth, but more punk, I guess. Yeah, new wave. New wave. But all the music that they play is just like they Googled top songs of the 80s. And it's just... It's all pop stuff, which it doesn't make sense for her character, and it just sound it just seemed like someone who was I don't know twenty five, just Googled mm. top eighty songs, and I don't know. It's like if you made a movie that that took place in the nineties, you're gonna just be like, oh, Nirvana. It's like, well, they're not the only band in the nineties. They're just the only band someone under a certain age <laughs> knows about. I guess. Could be. Yeah. I don't know. It's Maybe funny. we're There's just old. A, there is <laughs> yeah. one movie where the the kids. <laughs> room i noticed uh, like not even just the kids room but just like a lot of things in the movies where i was like if this movie had been made you know in the 90s i would think like they're putting too many 80s references in this movie because mm. like not there weren't this many 80s references in the 80s like people weren't aware of it that's but, like, a, that's if you a watch, great point that's a really great point yeah but hmm. the if you watch poltergeist like the first one it, there's so many like 80s things in that movie like that kid's bedroom is top to bottom star wars shit like, it's just <laughs> star wars sheets star wars toy like he's got it decked out with star yeah. wars stuff and then uh like the dad is reading that ronald reagan book at one point <laughs> there were a few things where i was just like man like if if this had been made today i would be like that's that's a little too much maybe you mm, should that's yeah. a fair point. Off of it. Yeah, but like, uh, but no, you're right though. Like, uh, I that does kind of irritate me when I see that in movies sometimes, where I'm just like, this isn't how it really looked at the time. Like, it wasn't just like, what came out that year? Let's put 
all of that in this room. It's like somebody only decorated their room with stuff from that year. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so. I, I think it's a symptom a little bit of like people are making movies now that are younger than us that didn't actually yeah. live through it. For a while, it was being made by people roughly our age or a little bit older. Right. But now, like Stranger Things, I think suffers from it occasionally too, where yeah. it feels very. It's like very apparent that people making it aren't quite old enough to remember some of this stuff or maybe remember it a little bit off, you know, a little bit off kilter. I think they're the main creative forces behind that show are a few years younger than us. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, good problems, good problems. People love the era we're from. So God bless them. (laughs) I also thought the, uh, the workman was, was a cool character in this, Mm -hmm. by the way, in the gate. The, the zombie uh, oh, yeah. guy trapped in the walls, supposedly. Well, the special effects guy in the interview said that he really wasn't going for a zombie because it had been done so much. Yeah. I forgot what he... He said he, he used some book that was floating around among special effects people that was called, like, The Bog Person. Yeah, yeah. The I, Bog I've, People. I've never Something seen like that, that, but I, I remember him mentioning that. And that yeah, they, they kind of went for, like, a dry rot character mm. or whatever. He's not like dripping ooze style like a, yeah. a zombie typically is. And there's a great moment where uh, when he's first kind of resurrected, uh, he lets out that poof of smoke or whatever. You know what I mean? It's kind of like uh, like he's had decompressed air in his lungs for a long time, whatever. Yeah. I was just going to say then that it ends with that giant demon coming out of the ground and then mm. he just mm-hmm. he shoots his rocket into it and it kills him. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. he, does he strap like uh, fireworks to it? Did I miss that? I, I think he may have rigged it a little bit to be a little bit more impressive because he had a lot of, you know, rockets. So I think he kind of yeah. souped it up a little. But, yeah, I mean, when the when that huge demon first appears and Dorf is, like, the last one left, everyone else has been, you know, taken into the hole, into the gate, rather. And uh, that demon first uh, pops up in their house, and it's huge. He has that rocket already because he was thinking, like, oh, I can use this rocket, you know, because something in... Yeah the spell book kind of in, insinuates that light will destroy, uh, you know, the demons. Uh, but, uh, so he's like, yeah, I'll use my rocket. He has this huge rocket. He's an uh, astronaut enthusiast or whatever. You can see it like in his clothing and everything. But yeah, like the, this demon pops up out of the ground and it's gigantic. It's like at least 10 feet tall, maybe 20 feet tall. And, uh, Dorf looks at his rocket and goes, this isn't going to work. He basically like throws the rocket away <laughs> and runs, you know, Uh, before he's kind of worked up the courage to fight it. Uh, But yeah, then he just ends up shooting the rocket into the, (laughs) the, the demon. It totally works. It just destroys him. Uh, I kind of wonder if maybe going back to the theme of, you know, this young kid having to do things for himself, if maybe it's kind of like illustrative, it's kind of like if you believe in yourself and yeah, you know, take up for yourself, it'll work out type of thing more so than, the literal rocket killing the demon. It's more like, you know, him believing in himself is part of yeah. it. I don't know. It's, it's new agey, but, uh, <laughs> uh, cause I feel like there's a little bit of that in like, say nightmare on Elm street. That's how they defeat Freddy Krueger is basically like, we're not going to give you power anymore. Uh, yeah. we're not scared of you. Uh, and it also Pennywise, yeah. that's how yeah. they, besides beating them to death with clubs, uh, they also mm-hmm. claim that, that, you know, they're not scared of them anymore. And that's what depowers him. So I think I think there's a little hint of that. It's kind of like he's not scared anymore, and he's actually fighting yeah. back, and that's kind of what helps him overcome it. Uh, what's what's the grade, guys? You do you recommend it? And what's your letter grade? 
Yeah, I, I would recommend it. It's it's a it's a fun movie, especially if you're watching it around the Halloween season. So yeah. Maybe give it like a B minus. Yeah, good call. Mm-hmm. Kia, how about you? I think I would give it a B. Okay. Yeah, I liked. Obviously, I liked it when I was a, a kid, and um, I think it's a fun movie. I like how his sister is like a good sister. She's not. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't care about my little brother, just whatever. She, like, she, she's, like, a good sister. She, I feel like, uh, I keep saying, like, a lot. I feel as if a <laughs> lot so of different. movies will have the older teenager be dismissive or rude or oh, almost, almost, almost an, a, antagonist. an antagonist. Yeah. And she wasn't. So, I like that. Yeah, that was cool, actually. So I'll give it a solid B. Yeah. I agree. I would also give it a B, and I'd recommend it. I think what Jeff said was spot on, that it's a great kind of seasonal movie, maybe a nice segue from the summer into uh, fall type of movie, because it's not quite Halloween, uh, you know-esque, but it definitely has a lot of hallmarks of a, hmm. a classic spooky movie. I do have a couple of quick observations and questions from listeners. Yeah. Uh, I opened it up on Twitter. We're H.A. Horrorcast on Twitter. And sounds like we're in the swamp or something. <laughs> yeah, we definitely hear a little bit of the cicadas. Cicadas. Or um, we have uh, at Brit but spooky. Uh, she's Lady May Queen. How do you think the reception would be if it was remade today with CGI effects? Horrible. I was thinking the exact same thing when we were watching the movie. Yeah. I thought if they made this movie. Everything would be CGI. Like the phone melting would be CGI, as opposed to whatever, however they did it in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be just everything. They probably wouldn't make. There's a dog in the movie. They probably even make that CGI. I don't know. <laughs> At this point, maybe. Um. So it, it would just be. It would be silly. Yeah. And I hope. I hope that's not something that they're talking about doing. I, I don't think it has <laughs> enough of an IP. Like the 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 title is too generic, I think, for them to uh, remake it, hoping that yeah, like oh this will generate an audience. It's not like Child's Play or something like that that has like a marquee name. I mean, they name remade Overboard, which to be fair, I think is a great movie, but no one was talking about Overboard, like no one. <laughs> and they remade that movie. It is I, a great I just movie. It's possible. The original yeah. is a great movie, but no one was like talking about Overboard. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe maybe it's inevitable that the gate will be remade with CGI. Um, but yeah, like so much of the charm of those monsters and the effects in this are that they're practical. I mean, so I think it definitely would rob it of a lot of uh, mm-hmm. of its potency. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Brett from Dimension Z. I really enjoy The Gate, probably one of my favorite horror movies to feature a rock band. What are your guys' favorite horror movies featuring the devil's music? Oh, that's, oh. It's a pretty mm-hmm. tough one. Uh, I'll, I'll kick oh. It. oh no, you go ahead. Oh yes, Kia. Well, if, if he means devil's music, he just means rock. Sure, obviously, or sure, heavier. go for it. Hmm. Well, obviously, um, we're the dream warriors. <laughs> okay, well, I yeah. mean, yeah, I had a I titular mean, song, a great by song, Dokken it's or whatever. One of the better yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for that. Cool, cool. Jeff and I uh, last year we watched uh, Trick or Treat. <laughs> Yeah. With uh, good old Ozzy Osbourne and uh, Gene Simmons <laughs> as very minor parts, even though they are on the oh. cover. Uh, but that features a lot of uh, satanic panic, and it's a really silly movie. I don't know if I would call it a favorite, but it's definitely mm-hmm. in that genre in uh, kind of a 
uh, one that's become kind of a classic. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I guess my answer is doesn't is not really answering his question because he means mu- music that's in the movie, whereas Dream Warriors I think was just at the end. This is very it's true. Like on the soundtrack. This this is very true. This requires more thinking than well, listen. You have given me time to to do. I also was thinking of uh, Jennifer's Body. That's a fun yeah. one that has uh, some satanic panic, and it features kind of a evil um, satanic uh, metal band, whatever, as kind of the antagonist that create Jennifer. Oh. So it's kind of a... I can't answer this question, then. I can't think of anything. I, 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 I want to say Body Talk <laughs> with Golden Child, but I don't even think that counts body talk with golden but child the golden child the movie so another uh, just another movie with uh, a see that's what i'm heavy saying metal, so that's I not need, what <laughs> you should have given me this question in advance the I, fun is popping them on you well uh, what happens failure jeff you got any for us are you gonna abstain no, i can't i can't think of anything nothing's really coming to mind i mean i know there's tons of movies like None that I would be like that's my favorite or recommend. right like, right right there yeah. was that halloween movie where they redid the um the Halloween theme, but like metal. I think it was the sixth one. Huh. So, so instead of being like the, the piano, the sure. ding, 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 it was like a heavy metal guitar. Oh, know? God. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Devil's Candy, that was one that we watched together, guys. That oh, was yeah. pretty cool. I think we, didn't we do it on the show? I don't think so. I think we just, we just hung out and watched it. But that, that kind of had a similar, you know, hmm. obviously. Was Sick. that that one with uh, Ethan Embry? Yeah, yeah, where he's like an artist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think on the new season of Twilight Zone. Oh, cool. Uh, I think uh, Brett may have anticipated that this would stump us, <laughs> so he asked another one. He said a better <laughs> question might be, "What are your favorite stop motion monsters?" Yeah. I think uh, Brett may have been mistaken that uh, the the minions in this movie are stop motion, but again, I think they are mm. in some moments. So, well, there's that giant demon at the end. He's oh, stop motion. You corrected me. I'm sorry, mm. Brett. I apologize. Mm. That's true. So, yeah, what are, what are some of your favorite stop-motion characters, guys? I can't think of anything that's stop-motion off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, I love uh, Nightmare on Elm or Nightmare Before Christmas, like those stop-motion oh, characters. Oh, yeah, too. yeah. But I don't, I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of, like, something that's, like, stop-motion within a movie that's a horror movie, but... I can't. I mean, I, the other thing that comes to mind is the Tauntauns and Empire Strikes Back, but <laughs> that's not a horror movie. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's. I'm going to sound like I'm a baby boomer here, but uh, it's King Kong. Like, I don't think anything yeah. tops Willis O'Brien, King Kong, as far as this. Uh, he emotes. He's actually scary. He moves like a boxer and a wrestler sometimes when he's fighting these dinosaurs. It's like really cool. Um, and then Harry Hausen, the. Uh, uh, Jason the Argonauts, the classic um, scene where the skeletons come to life and they sword fight yeah. the live action characters. I mean, stuff like that. Uh, it's it's not correct to say that it holds up today, but it's so cool looking that I think it kind of still would capture like like a modern young person watching those things. I think would still be pretty into it instead of just going, "This looks like dog shit." I think they would be like, "Oh, I kind of get it. I kind of get it." I don't know if this counts as horror, but I'm gonna go right back to the Golden Child. Sorry, and the little Pepsi can. That's your that's your favorite uh, stop that's animation. That's all I can think of at the top of my head right now. I'm thinking of like little things, and the only little things I can think of are like ghoulies and critters, but those aren't stop yeah, motion. Yeah, puppets mostly. Yeah. And I can't think of any big thing right off the top of my head. So yeah. Cool, cool. Then I'm gonna stick with that one. <laughs> Have yep. you seen the Golden Child, Jeff? Nope. Oh. <laughs> 
Does that it's a, would that count for this podcast? Sure. Oh, it's such a classic Eddie Murphy's movie. Oh my yeah. goodness. Eddie, that that was supposed to be oh, Eddie Murphy's man. Indiana Jones, Jeff. He 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 had uh, planned is it on a doing movie? It's it's like an adventure movie with supernatural yeah. overtones God. and stuff like that. But yeah, he wanted it to be like a modern Indiana Jones franchise, you know, or a character set in the 80s, you know, doing uh, like adventuring around the world type thing. Yeah. So many quotable lines from that movie. <laughs> it's a that pretty would be fun movie. So fun to pick. Um, so cool. That, that's all the questions we have. Uh, thank you for dropping them in on us, guys. Thank you. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just, just reviewed The, the Gate. gate. Once again for Half-Assed Horror Trivia! It's been a minute, but we are going to do some trivia. Uh, 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 your host, Craig, uh, 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 your contestants, Jeff uh, 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 and Kia. Trivia. It's true. And you might have guessed, probably not, the trivia is you don't know Dorf. <laughs> Five questions on Mr. Steven Dorf. So question number one, we're, we're going uh, in a pattern of Kia than Jeff hmm. for the listeners at home because Jeff is remote and it might be delayed. Question number one for Kia. How tall is Dorf? 5'8". That is correct. Oh. You got it. That's According good. to his agent, I was going to say I five, would imagine, six. Yeah, he's probably more like five foot six. <laughs> um, question number two this is for Jeff. Where was Dorf born? Oh. Ontario, Canada. Incorrect. Do I get, I'm sorry, how many points is it again? Uh, two points. Okay. He had, would you oh, like to steal? Where was he born? Yes. Um,. Madison, Wisconsin. Incorrect. Atlanta, Georgia. <gasps> what? I should have known. Yeah. ATL in the house. Rise up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I didn't know that. That's awesome. It is, it is correct. Mm. Uh, question number three for Kia. What was Stephen Dorff's character name in Blade? Um, Swift. <laughs> <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> Jeff, would you like to steal... Uh, and there are options. Oh, I'll take the that then. There's always options, so I don't have to say that. Wow. Yes, Jeff. Um, okay. So A, mm. Deacon Frost. B, Reverend Snow. C, Pastor Chill. D, Father Winter. Deacon Frost. That is correct. Jeff on the board. Mm. And blood on the dance floor. <laughs> Question four for Kia. What does Dorf collect? Um, s- um, swords. Incorrect. Jeff, would you like to steal? Mm-hmm. Um, comic books. Good guess, but no. He collects vintage cameras. Oh. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Question five. I think we're now going back to Jeff, right? Mm-hmm. Jeff, question five. How old was Dorf when he filmed The Gate? 14. That is correct. Good guess. That was excellent. 
I, uh, I actually looked that up today. <laughs> well, when I was watching it. Was research like, for the win. The That's, cicadas. This is literally yes, an Pia. unfair trivia. How so? He, he got more questions than I did. Listen, sometimes that's just the way the chips fall. <laughs> and he also, he, he stole some from you, too. Wow. Jeff, the dwarf <sighs> champion. But, but wait, hmm. Kia got the first question, so that means I would have only gotten the two questions. That's what I'm that's saying. You have Kia to, got three. You should, it should be like an even number of questions, right? Yeah, but he's saying that no, you, you I'm technically... I'm saying you got more questions got more than questions I did, than so you did. had more of a chance to win than I did. No. So it's you're still right. unfair, though. It was unfair, but it was in your advantage. Whatever. I gave you the edge, Kia, and you made it dull. <laughs> Boom. Jeff is the dwarf champion. Congratulations, Jeff. <laughs> Yay. Hey, guys. I'm Felissa Rose Angela from Sleepaway Camp, and you're listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. Oh yeah, meet me at the waterfront after the social. Sleep away, camp. You won't be coming home. <laughs> All right, moving on. Hmm. What's making us scared? Anybody got anything? Sure. Mm-hmm. Kick us off, Kia. What's making oh. you scared this well, episode? A couple of things. Um, one, the Lovecraft Country has begun. Oh, Cinnamon, we ain't gonna run to Cinnamon. We ain't gonna run to Cinnamon. We ain't gonna run to on that day. Yeah. On, is it HBO? Yes, it is. And so, HBO Max to all you young people out there. Um, uh, it was a book that we've, I think we've talked about on the podcast before because both Craig and I have read it. Mm-hmm. By Mr. Matt Ruff. Matt Ruff. And it was, it was good. We enjoyed it. And I think we're so far we're enjoying the TV show. Yeah. It's, it's really out there and interesting and crazy. And um, I guess my only complaint about it is some of the CGI stuff. But, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. They have, like, a lot of monsters on the show, so it's got to be CGI, I guess. And even though it's HBO, it's still a television budget. So, yeah. I mean, they're probably restricted a little bit. But visually, I think it looks good. It's, it's, it's a, I mean, it's, it's out there. It's the cast a, is really cool, too. Yeah. I, like, I like everybody involved in it so far. So. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those show. it's one of those books where it's, it has many, many pieces. So, mm. like, the last episode almost seems like it would have been a season finale. Yeah, we've and only seen two literally episodes. Literally, just a second so far, episode, yeah. and they're already going to move on to something else because mm-hmm. the book has many different pieces. So it's really interesting. It can, it's kind of episodic. It'll lend itself yeah. to a TV show, I think. So yeah. Um, my second thing is that I've talked about Fear Street on the podcast and have written some blog posts on it. So Craig brought to my attention not too long ago that um, the I guess the first Netflix movie Fear Street has already been shot. Right? It's yeah, done. I think, yeah, I think so. I think they had announced that that was going to be a thing, you know, a couple years back, and then it kind of went away, and then they're like, surprise, we did it. So yeah, I think R.L. Stein tweeted about it, that it was yeah. in the can. So it's supposed to be a trilogy of movies, with the first one dropping on Netflix next year. So I'm really excited about that, because I really loved Fear Street reading it as a kid, mm. so 
very excited to kind of see what they're going to do for the movies and hope the movies are good. So Ooh. that's what's making me scared. Cool. Fear Street movies down the pipeline mm-hmm. and Lovecraft Country on HBO. Yeah. Jeff, have you been able to check out Lovecraft Country? Are you interested nope. in Lovecraft Country? I'm not really familiar with it. Oh. You should check out the uh, trailer for it sometime. It's just it's just a fun, uh, you know, cool show with monsters and uh, and I think it has a little. You know, I brought up Indiana Jones earlier. It has like some of those elements too, where it's like artifact hunting and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it's just really cool, and it's like period piece. So it's like set in the fifties. Oh, okay. So, cool. um, how about you, Jeff? What, what's making you scared this week? So many things, hmm. but I'll just talk about this one. <laughs> um, I made some sticker packs. Oh, uh, yeah. Ooh. Hold on. Tur- so we- there. Turn off your background thing. I can't. It's blending oh. in. I want to see what it looks like. I'm going to angle it where Kia can see. It's like a little pack of stickers. That's cool. Nice. That's cool. But um, it's a it's a three sticker pack, and I've done. They're all three inches tall. Uh, and there's a creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Uh, Frankenstein monster and Bride of Frankenstein. Nice. They look great. And I'm going to be putting those on my Etsy page today, so by the time this episode comes out, you'll be able to find it on there if you want to buy one. I think I'm going to sell them for like six bucks a piece. Awesome. So So the the whole pack will be six bucks with all the stickers. That's really cool. That's a good bargain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll uh, put that up on our uh, social media stuff, too, if that's cool with you. Put the link up and everything. So Sounds good. Nice. So what are you calling them again? Uh, just monster stickers. I made a little logo with a, like a Dracula kind of it looks yeah, so that's similar awesome. to the Batman logo from the 60s. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Nice. So Creatureville Art Monster Sticker Pack <laughs> coming your way. My thing is something I just sent to Jeff a little while ago, is Home Depot has a 12-foot tall skeleton. <laughs> I, and it looks crazy. It's huge. I mean, like, like, try to wrap your head around the idea of a 12-foot tall ste- skeleton for sale for Halloween is decor. Is it a blow-up thing? No, it's like a hard skeleton huh. that's 12 feet tall, and it has light-up eyes or whatever. And uh, this is kind of wild. You know, Jeff and I do these Halloween hunt videos for our YouTube channel in for ourselves, obviously. And uh, every year they keep churning out more and more skeleton <laughs> crap. And it's kind of like, man, they're done. With, they have to be done with this shit. <laughs> and then this year someone came up with, they're like, no, <laughs> we're going to up the ante to a 12 foot tall skeleton. It's just, I can't imagine who would buy it. And I mean, I guess you'd have to put it out in your front yard, that type of thing. Um, but just seeing it in the store, I've seen it online now and social media and everything. Pretty impressive. I, I would definitely want to scope one out, hopefully. I can't imagine many people buying them, so I, I guess they'll be in the stores yeah. for a while. Uh, How just much to see it in person. Is it? Do you remember? I don't know. I have to oh. look it up later. I'm really interested to see that thing in person. I went to Home Depot yesterday, and they didn't have anything out yet, so I might set the one here. Yeah, it might take a minute. I feel like our Lowe's and uh, Home Depot's take just a little bit longer to... Uh, to kind of get up to full speed compared to other places. Yeah. Uh, it seems like everything is rolling out really slow this year. Yeah. Especially around here. Like there's a spirit Halloween that's open. It's like 45 minutes to an hour away from here. Yeah. But the one that's supposed to like our local one, it just has a sign up in the window that says now hiring. And 
they were supposed to open this weekend, and they're still not. The 12-foot skeleton is $300. Holy crap. And well, you, can, you can add a two-year Home Depot protection plan. No, no. <laughs> well, you guys know what to get me for Christmas. <laughs> That's what's making us scared. Yes. I get to pick this week or this episode uh, what the next movie will be. And I have decided mm. I'm going to go old school. By the time we record this, uh, it'll be full swing Halloween season. And I'm going to go for a classic. Mm. One a little off the beaten path. Mm. A little ditty called Dracula's Daughter. Unto Adonai and Azrael, into the keeping of the lords of the flame and lower pits, I consign this body to be forevermore consumed in this purging fire. Let all baleful spirits that threaten the souls of men be banished by the sprinkling of this salt. Be thou exorcised, O Dracula, and thy body long undead. Find destruction throughout eternity in the name of thy dark, unholy master. This is the 1936 sequel to Dracula. It's a direct sequel. It has uh, some of the same characters and actors. Uh, no Lugosi, though, because this focuses on a different vamp. Mm. That's Dracula's Daughter from 1936. It is available on Peacock. If you, if you have access to Peacock, uh, virtually the whole Universal Monster uh, catalog is there. So check it out mm. next time on Half-Ass Horrorcast. <laughs> I love you all with the force of a thousand maniacs. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast, Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H-A Horrorcast, and you can send us an email at Horrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, Horrorcast.com. Yeah.